The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. In a world where nothing is certain, can help you to find the right way. The way you should follow today. This way will take you to the best job from around the world. Welcome to the Identity Matters Worldview Institute. Welcome to the Post-Truth Podcast. It's exciting that we are this point in our Crisis Life Leadership series that we have been going through because we're really starting to get into the meat of the gospel of this topic. Those who truly claim to have a testimony of having the indwelling life of Christ living inside them, I think most can actually make an association that there is a true life living inside you. Who agrees with that statement here? Awesome. You get a free book. Oh, you got one already. You're going to have a whole library by the time we're done tonight. So it's, it is pretty easy for indwell believers to at least agree with that theological foundational statement. Christ lives in you. There's another online course if you just kind of browse around and look in our library, you're going to find one that is called Christ at Work in You. It's by Dr. Fowler. He's our ministry theologian. It's really actually a profound course. It takes you through step by step of exactly what the details are about having Christ at work in you, not around you, but actually in you. Then we have some other exciting courses coming up by Andrew Murray. We already have one posted there right now called New Life, I believe is what he titled it. We were given his content to use in the Institute, and it is a great course. That is another option to understand the indwelling life of Christ. Andrew Murray is one of the dead guys that many people run to his old writings to discover the details or the theology behind Christ in you. So two great courses you also can check out. We're going to start out our message with talking about leadership presence. Now, I know I'm putting you local people on the spot here, but this is very important. Give me an answer that pops into your mind. When you think of a leader walking into the room and consuming the room with her presence, who comes to mind? Your dad, a school teacher, who comes to mind? Do you have an experience in your mind where when this person walks into a room and you're observing them and it looks like they're literally consuming all the air in the room, all the attention in the room, all the dynamics going on in the room immediately shifts to them? Have you met someone like this? 
Now, what would happen? I know Jesus is far removed from us, right? Okay. He lives and dwells within us. And we don't tend to look at Christ in you consuming a room when we walk in. In fact, the statistics show us in the world today is we tend to resist that. Resist a leader who has the indwelling life of Christ and begins to dominate conversations or presence in a room. We tend to resist it. Jesus said, what you do unto the least of these, my brethren, you do unto me. So the truth of the matter is, is that most indwell believers or Christ followers are actually very clueless when it comes to insulting Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about how every indwell believer has this ability to consume the room when they walk into it. So while it can appear that certain people are born with this commanding charisma, now one of the names that was thrown out tonight, I would put that person in the category of having this commanding charisma. But could I look at this person and say it was because of Jesus Christ living inside them? There's a big difference. So oftentimes these people are referred to as having leadership presence. And there's a natural, neutral leadership presence that can be learned or adopted by leaders through techniques. But it remains something that is for us to be able to embrace is that any indwelt believer on the face of the earth can actually release the life of Christ where that same leadership presence can take place. Whether you're 10 years of age, 14 years of age, 21 years of age, it doesn't matter. If the release of Christ takes place through you, he will consume the room. Now, there is a flip side to that. If you walk into the room and you feel like you're just not being recognized at all and you have no impact on what's going on in that room, and, 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 you do have to ask yourself a question. First of all, do I have the life of Christ in me to be released to consume the room? Secondly, you have to ask, why am I not releasing Christ in me to consume the room? If Jesus Christ physically walked through that door back there tonight, Someone please tell me what would happen to this fellowship. We would fall on our faces. Do you think it would be wise for me to keep on preaching? No. Who would I default the floor to? Jesus. That is exactly what must happen to every indwell believer who says, I am a leader. And if that's not happening, there are questions that have to be asked and answers that have to be given. 
Now that many of our listeners literally blew by that, I probably better jump into some of these details. Because there's a sin that is, has started to, to manifest itself, not just in Christian Christ followers and indwell believers. It is literally infecting the culture. And it's called procrastination. If you procrastinate the presence of the living God through Jesus Christ that lives inside your mortal body when you walk into a room, you are procrastinating why he is in that room with you. I pray in in the name of Jesus Christ this does not fall on deaf ears. You passive, resistant believers. Because that's what procrastination is. Passive resistance. Let's speak a little bit about the gravatas of leaders. Gravatas is one of those great words. I didn't go grab this word just because it sounded like, wow, no one's going to understand this word. You're going to have to explain it. From the original of gravatas, it has rich, rich meaning attached to it. Gravatas is not just the actions demonstrated by a person or a leader. It reveals their belief system. Passive people are subtly, covertly confessing they are atheist. And they just don't know how to get around that. If you are passive when you are being motivated from inside by the Holy Spirit, and you are passive and you can't get through that wall, it is a covert confession that you do not believe that God exists inside you. There is that smaller percentage of those who truly do believe that Christ does live and breathe inside of them and they're passive resistant because of fears, because of whatever it is that's going on in their life, so they don't say anything. They don't do anything. Leader, listen to me very carefully. When you walk into a meeting, when you walk into church, when you walk into a small group, people should know within a few short minutes that you are a born-again believer. And they should be able to say, this is obvious. Just being there. You have said nothing yet. That's the power of Jesus Christ. We have not yet seen Jesus come on stage at our services and make himself known for people to believe. Correct? So how does he show himself so that people would believe? Do you believe that the presence of God can do it all by itself? Now, I don't want to sound weird here, but I'm going to tell you of a real experience that happened to me in Africa. 
before I was put on their stage to do some talking, the pastor had this belief in modality that he would wait eight hours if he had to while the worship band was playing to bring the people out of the jungle. And we did wait over three hours from the time that I was scheduled to speak. While I was outside waiting, and the praise band just kept singing song after song after song, if you Americans think you get annoyed by times ten singing a chorus, try that for four hours. And you know what? He was right. That tent was completely full in three hours. He used praise music to call him out of the jungles, out of the bush. And I was standing outside and just kind of chit-chatting with everyone, and there was this older, distinguished-looking African that walked by me, and he stops, and he turns around and looks at me. And he literally, it was like the bones of this old man melted and he fell to the ground. And I thought the poor man had a heart attack. But the spirit overwhelmed him so much that he couldn't pass by me. One of the elders came over to help even with the translation, to help me understand what in the world is going on here. And communicated to me that he was overwhelmed by the Spirit. He couldn't speak, he couldn't sit up, he couldn't stand up, he couldn't walk. So we led him to Christ. I didn't open my mouth. That's the presence of God. I wish it would be like that all the time. Man, that would be just awesome. Walk down the street, people are falling on their faces for Jesus. But we, Jesus doesn't need words. This is what I'm trying to help you understand here. The presence of the living God commands obedience. Does it not? If Jesus walked in the room before he even opened his mouth, he would have all of our obedience. And if he didn't, you're in bad shape. Then when he would begin to speak, oh, only God knows what would happen after that. So to have these arrogant leaders rise up against the presence of Jesus when he was walking the face of the earth is a bit peculiar to me. What was real then is real today. What is real today is real inside you. What is real inside you is what is to be demonstrated through you. Today, right now. So we need to talk about, well, how come I don't see that in my life? Gervadas is belief and behavior in action. It's not just action. Now, from this day forward in our series, whenever I say, who is a leader in God's kingdom? 
I want you guys to automatically respond loudly with, we are all leaders in the kingdom of God. So I ask you tonight, who is a leader in God's kingdom? You see, every single vessel is chosen by the living God through Christ Jesus, through your election, chosen by Christ to be a vessel so that he can demonstrate his leadership through you any time he wants. Every indwelt believer is a priest. Does the scripture say that? Yes, we're a holy priesthood. We're all leaders. Ten years of age or a hundred years of age. Keep that in place as we talk more about it tonight. So I'm asking you personally, this is not just throwing out a question. As you probably have already guessed... We're starting to become more proactive with each other, more integrated in our group activity as we get deeper and deeper into this study. Because it's very critical that we engage for release. So seriously, what happened to the availability of sending a brother at any hour of the day? Where a pastor just calls someone up and says, Johnny, I need to have you travel to wherever and share the gospel with whoever. What happened to this? Well, what happened is they reach in their back pocket or on their nightstand and they go, just a second, pastor, I need to check to see what my schedule is. Man, I gotta be up at 5.30. You probably better call one of the other deacons. That's the world we live in. There's no God speaks. The leader calls on a brother. The brother goes and does it in the perfect timeline of the living God. So what we have is a perpetual, compulsive, cultural procrastination. That has been formed in the world today and in the church. Everyone thinks they have their own lives to live. You are being lied to. Your life doesn't belong to you. And yes, there's scripture that says that. So when Chris was singing the song tonight about the churches rising up, is it? The church as a whole is rising up amongst a very small percentage. Now, what we're going to talk about here in a few minutes is why the percentage is getting smaller and smaller every week. Because compared to the church in the 60s, to the church today, it's like staring up at a giant. The church was extremely powerful and influential in the 60s. And then we do the same thing back into the 40s compared to the 60s. 
what you're going to see is a slow fade. And that slow fade starts with the leaders, not the people. So here is our first scripture for tonight. It says, we have sent with them our brother, whom we have often tested and found diligent in many things. But now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. There's two things that stand out in this passage. I can't even tell you how many scriptures I found on releasing a brother to do the work for you. It was enormous. Old Testament through the New Testament. Where the methodology was is that a leader would grab a worker and send them out for them. How easy is that to be done in the workplace today? It's extremely difficult. The other thing that stands out in this passage is what? Christ's life leader, listen to me very carefully. If you're not testing your subordinates, you're failing. You need to literally set up failure opportunities. And if they rise above this failure opportunity and provide success and confidence, they have proven themselves to be a diligent worker. These are the people that Paul was saying to Timothy, go and find a few what? Go find a few faithful men and entrust to them what I have entrusted to you. Because see, if they're not faithful, it would be like handing a package that has something inside the package that's worth $30,000. And you hand it to the messenger and you say, make sure you hand deliver this package to a leader in such and such a city for me. Do not let anyone touch the package but you and the person I've asked you to give it to. And this person gets out the door and they may head down the road. Maybe they'll get 150 miles. He gets curious, wants to know what's inside this package, right? So he rips open the package or just tears it enough so he can look inside and he sees all this jewelry, all this gold and silver, and realizes he's got some goods on his hands. Now he has a choice to steal it or to go, whoops, and close the package up and and become more diligent at making sure that package got to the right person. But let's just say he decided to take a left turn. That is not a faithful person. I told you the story a couple times over the past few years of Jane's uncle that was actually tested by Mr. Kaiser, old man Kaiser. Yes, that's Kaiser Permanente. That's Kaiser Steele, one of the most wealthiest men at the time in the United States. And Jane's uncle worked for this gentleman, started out as a mail runner. 
And old man Kaiser put a $100 bill into an envelope, or it was a $50 bill, started out small, gave it to Jane's uncle, and says, take this to the bank and do not stop at any other place. Take it directly to the bank for me. And he did. And he came back with the receipt. A little later, he stuffed a few hundred dollar bills in this envelope and gave it to him and sent him on his way with the same instructions. Took it all the way up to $10,000 in cash to take to the bank. And guess what happened? He got promoted to the vice president of the entire corporation. And stayed in that position and well after old man Kaiser died. But it created a little bit of jealousy with the natural sons of old man Kaiser. And poor Jane's uncle took it in the shorts. It's a sad story. This here is what he did. He was an old school leader that believes you must test your leaders to see what they will do. But what most do under a test is they run like a coward. They stop discipleship. They stop the process. They stop, 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 stop. Why? Because either say, I can't do it. Well, then I don't want you handling my goods, my treasures. This is what Paul was saying to Timothy. These are the most valuable treasures of eternity. And you think I'm going to give them to a faithless man? It's not going to happen on my shift. I'll take the package myself. Now when we look at culture, and in culture we're seeing a shrink, a fading away of truly faithful Messengers of the gospel. Men and women who are able to be told what to do. It's shrinking. Second verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 3 through 4. It says, but I have sent the brethren in order that our boasting about you may not be made empty. In this case, so that as I was saying, you may be prepared. Otherwise, if any Macedonian came with me and and find you unprepared, we, not to speak of you, he's basically saying this group of people was faithful. But he's speaking to the body of Christ as a whole. The key issue here in this particular passage of sending a brethren is to be prepared. I think that's why we're doing this series on leadership. is to equip you and prepare you. Another passage that would go with this is always be ready to give account to the gospel. So you can Handle accurately the word of truth. Most people today have no clue what to do in the midst of a chaotic situation. 
And he finishes with, will put to shame by this confidence. Confidence in Christ Jesus is the confidence that is in you. His confidence has become your confidence. Now when we put together the sending a brother because the brother is ready, prepared, faithful, it builds confidence. The leader able to have confidence in this brethren that he sent out, the package will be delivered to where it needs to go. Then finally, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 and 36, it says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance. Confidence and endurance go hand in hand like a husband and wife. If you're having a hard time enduring whatever it is that's going on in your life, I first want to tell you something that may be a little bit insulting to you. What you're going through is nothing compared to many people. But I understand that pain is pain. But God can always bring one person forward to say, I have far more conflict and distress and persecution than you do. There's always someone out there that has an overwhelming amount. But here's the key. God said that he would never give you something that you are not able to handle. There's another passage that talks about for he gives you a measurement of faith. Do you understand that the amount of stress that God allows upon you is in comparison to the amount of faith he pours in your cup? He will never ask of you to endure hardship that is beyond the amount that is in your cup. And that's what that passage means. So if you're feeling or fearing overwhelmed by stuff that is going on in your life, and you're pleading with God day in and day out to have him release it or remove it, you're praying the wrong thing. You need to embrace your pain. You need to embrace your persecution. You need to embrace your weakness before you're going to find the strength and confidence of Jesus Christ that lives inside you. These things that God allowed to happen to Job and every one of the leaders from that day forward were personally permitted by God to break down that person to say, before I heard you by the hearing of my ears, but today I see thee. It's to take us from performance to releasing the life of Christ. And persecution, hardship, distresses, attacks on your body, attacks on your mind, attacks on your work, attacks on wherever, are needed to get you to quit releasing your self-life as a leader. So if you want to receive the rewards, there's no other way around it than this. 
I want to show you a little diagram here. Next week's message is actually on the topic of procrastination. I'm just giving you a taste of it tonight. But here's what it says in Ecclesiastes, as well as it is referenced in over 300 other passages. But it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, it says, There is, there's an appointed time for everything. How much does everything cover? You mean there's an appointed time for me to be slapped? You mean there's an appointed time for me to suffer financial hardship? There's an appointed time for me to suffer sickness? You mean even to the point of getting boils on my body and sitting in ashes for three months? Hopefully you're getting the picture. And there's a time for every event under heaven. Now, we have a dilemma on our hands. Because if there is an exact time for everything, and there's an exact time for every event, that means sharing Jesus Christ with someone. Everything. All things work together for the good to those that love God and who are called according to his purpose. It's a calling. I question on how many true indwell believers understand what even calling means. So the timeline you're looking at there, point A is God's command given to a leader. Now, a leader has to be prepared to do the work themselves. But it's not the ideal foundation of leadership. The idea of true leadership is passing the baton. The baton becomes that $10,000 package. Correct? The leader should be able to hand the baton to the brother, as the scripture calls him. And as you see on this timeline, there's 4 p.m., 5 p.m., 6 p.m., 7 p.m., 8 p.m., all the way to 1 a.m. This is a very short timeline. And that package has to be delivered... Message delivered at 7.20. Because from 7.20 all the way up to 8.10, the Holy Spirit is doing exactly what God called the Holy Spirit to do, and that is open that heart for the message. From 8.10 to 12. A.M., there is the wrestling and the working out of their salvation experience that's going to happen at 12.05. 
And at 1205, they receive the indwelling life of Jesus Christ, have transformation, and it ends up in the middle of the night of God completing his mission. And all of heaven stands and rejoices, as I carefully put that in the song tonight. All of heaven stands and rejoices for one single confession and repentance. Someone who delays this doesn't realize they are affecting eternal rejoicing. So when we look back in the 60s, when Billy Graham was going from tent to tent, and millions of people are falling on their faces, receiving Jesus Christ into their life, and today we can't even fill a conference room, in most cases, of someone who wants to hear a fiery sermon. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.